I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words, and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast. Shut it down. And this is John Taffer. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for being with me. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And uh, uh, I hope you're home. I hope you, at least through Zoom or FaceTime or somehow, will be able to spend some time with family for this Thanksgiving. And, you know, Corey, it, it, it's tough to, to have a lot to thanks for getting this year. I know, yeah. You know, the, the, we haven't exactly had so many blessings this year. But, you know, in a way, we sort of have. And in a way, we've all been touched and moved and damaged and, and, and affected and affected uh, uh, by the past year in profound ways. Uh, career changes. Marriage changes. Uh, think of how many people Corey didn't meet this year that would have met at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relationships that never got a chance to begin. People that never met. Uh, uh, you think of of uh, uh, the relationships that fell apart this year. That might have lasted another thirty years if it wasn't for this year. So, you know, this has been a year of profound change for all of us. And when you go through a profound event like we've all gone through. Uh, there has to be changes, Corey. I mean, there has to be things that we learn, uh, uh, things that we know we want to stay away from, things that we learn about each other, you know, things that, that maybe we're more fond of or less fond of. Uh, certainly, we've all learned how to manage our time differently, right? Allocate our time differently. The things I know, Corey, you love to go out in the desert. I do, yeah. You know, and you mm-hmm. and you like to be with your buddies and stuff. You haven't been able to do much of that this year. I mean, Right. All of our lives have been so profoundly impacted by this. And, and you know, I was thinking, uh, uh, after spending so much time in Georgia and, and, you know, watching the opening of Taffer's Tavern there and, and interacting with so many people, and you were there last week, Corey, talking to people and stuff, you know, th- there was a touch of happiness inside Taffer's Tavern. You know, when you were inside, sure, people wearing masks and, you know, people still keeping it. But, you know, in the four walls of that place, you sort of felt like COVID wasn't there. You know, it was like sort of a relief. You know, and in my home, I I sort of feel safe. And it's interesting how, uh, uh, in spite of all of this, certain businesses can create, you know, positive reactions still. And I think we did that in Alpharetta. I'm really proud of it. So for me, folks, I'm... following cdc guidelines i'm staying home i'm not going anywhere i'm not even driving anywhere nicole and i are going to do a nice quiet thanksgiving here uh, uh, i must confess for the weekend we did order a few things from gold belly so uh, i sort of was feeling a little nostalgic Corey. so i ordered some lobster rolls from boston oh nice i ordered some nathan's hot dogs from new york okay no turkey uh, no, we're gonna cook, we're cooking a turkey oh, here. Okay. I'm just saying for over the weekend, just oh, some gotcha. fun stuff. Yeah, you know, because these days when we're locked in our houses, as as many of us have chosen to stay in our houses, as many of us have done, uh, uh, you know, what we do for dinner can be more fun. You know, mm-hmm. The things that we drink, the things that we eat, can be more fun. And I find for a lot of people, uh, 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 mixology at home, cooking at home, fun meals at home have become a real source of pleasure for us all. And I think that's one of those profound changes that sort of happened this year. And, uh, you know, when we look at travel and, and the statistics of our business, and now, look, we're just in the past few days, we've been nailed with shutdowns. 
And you know, Corey, I said a few weeks ago that this is winding down. I still say this is winding down. The numbers are freaking horrendous right now. I get that, of course. Hospitals are full. People are suffering. It's a freaking nightmare. But I read yesterday, and look it up, everybody, because it's an article you're going to want to read. The head of the CDC, whose name is Redfield, announced yesterday that vaccine distribution will begin second week of December. Oh, wow. Corey, that's three weeks from now. Yeah, that's right around the corner. I mean, we're not even talking a month. Mm-hmm. That's literally right around the corner. Wow. And, and you know, there's 20 to 30 million of these uh, 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 initial rounds of vaccines that are going to go out, and it's going to get to frontline workers and people who are at most risk, and I'm sure that's good. But think of what happens in January when another 80 to 100 million doses hit. Yeah. Then they start to reach out to all of us. And then February, when a couple hundred million doses hit, so, so, you know, by, by the end of February, by March, uh, uh, it's going to be out there for everyone. So it is winding down in a clock sense. And that's what a clock does. It winds down. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's as scary as it's ever been. There's more people out there with it. We can get caught. There isn't as much availability in hospitals and ICUs. So in as much as we are winding down, it is a good idea to stay safe this weekend. It is. And, and whereas politically, you know, I... I I am uh, uh, reluctant and offended by mandates to wear masks, mandates to stay home, mandates that you can't leave your house, all of that. I think that we're a pretty responsible society. However, for me, I've made those choices, Corey, to stay stay a little isolated, uh, not be out there these next couple of weeks as, you know, the numbers are so great, right? So many people are walking around with it. And uh, to me, it's cool because we're we're winding down. I see the end of this. And You know, I say to so many of us, guys, we stayed in our houses. We dealt with our businesses being closed. We're dealing with them being closed again. This is a freaking nightmare. But we've made it this far. Let's not blow it now and get sick. So let's just watch our behavior these next couple weeks. Let's stay safe. And I really think that that before we know it, uh, this is going to wind down. You know, Corey, Thanksgiving is an interesting thing. And I was looking back at the history of Thanksgiving. Okay. And when, when uh, they landed at Plymouth Rock and the original colonies that they had set up, they were taxed very heavily. And they were told that the initial societies here in, in New World would be set up sort of in like a socialistic kind of a way, that they would pay high taxes back to England and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it was a very hard couple of years. They had a rough winter. They didn't have a very good harvest. They had to give a lot of their money away in taxes. And it was a very, very difficult time. The following year, there were changes. And it was decided that the society would change, and they didn't use this word then, to more of a capitalistic society than a communist, socialist type of society. Okay. And they did. Then people started actually exchanging money rather than just bartering things. And each of them started to flourish. And they were given land in the beginning. And they were told, here's the land. You must participate in this sort of socialistic model. And give to Joe. You give I give Joe my chickens. Mm-hmm. And you give me some of your beef. Right. And that was the way it all worked. Well, after a, a while of that, uh, things switched to more of a capitalistic view. Where you were allowed to develop your own farm. And charge money for the things that you did. And you could, heck, you could grow chickens and beef. And you could do all these things. And that year, they had a really good uh, harvest. And suddenly, 
they had some money. They were starting to be prosperous. They had a great harvest, and they created Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving was created around the premise of individual wealth, individual freedom, and a wonderful harvest to, to, to uh, create that harvest and, and those freedoms. Right. It's a wonderful story when you think about mm -hmm. it, how in those early days, in the original Thanksgiving, people were so happy that they truly felt there was so much to be thankful for that this was created. Wow. And all these years later, uh, uh, America will consume about two and a half million tons of turkey. I had to pull some of these numbers, Corey, because some of them are actually just... Yeah, obscene. I love when you do all the statistics and all that. Yeah, so how many turkeys are cooked and eaten in the United States on Thanksgiving? Answer is 40 million turkeys will be cooked on Thanksgiving. Jesus. But here's what's interesting. There's 2,500 turkey farms, but there's 229 million turkeys raised every year in America. And only 40 million are on Thanksgiving. Hmm. So if you think about that, then 180 million turkeys a year are consumed outside of Thanksgiving, which is what, four or five times the yeah. amount of turkeys that are consumed on Thanksgiving. Jeez. So a lot of those turkey sandwiches have come a long way. Mm -hmm. How much do people spend on turkey in the United States? One billion dollars. What's the average weight of a turkey? What do you, what do you oh. say, Corey? It's got to be pretty heavy, I mean, like 10 pounds. 30 pounds is the average weight of a turkey. Oh, Jesus. That's way off. <laughs> How much edible meat yields a roasted turkey, the average turkey? About 0.71 pounds. What is the ratio of frozen to fresh turkeys? Two to three. Average turkey price, $20.80. And what is the lifespan of a wild turkey? Oh, that's a good question. So I'm assuming it's not slaughtered. I'm right. assuming it has a natural like death. Like their natural lifespan? Yeah. What, like 10 years? You know, I would think that too, because, you know, turkey's a pretty big animal. Yeah. And you think an animal of that size would live 10, 15, maybe 20 years? No. Mm -hmm. I was surprised. Three to four years. Oh. Oh, I don't feel so bad for eating them then. <laughs> Why? It, it, it didn't even get to live half its life. <laughs> anyway, okay. That's interesting. And how many eggs do wild turkeys hatch? Four to 17. <laughs> and <laughs> what is the flying speed that a turkey can reach, that a wild turkey can reach? Oh, it can't be too fast. Oh, this is going to blow you away. We should almost do a contest about this, but everybody <laughs> could Google it and find out the answer because this blows me away. So according to National Geographic magazine, and this is not for long distances, okay? Right. Can't, can't fly at this speed all day long. How fast can a turkey fly? 10 miles an hour. 55 miles an Holy hour. Holy. That's according to National Geographic. So Jeez. how the hell did they catch him? Right. That's, that's quick. You know, Buddy Hackett used to do a joke years ago about he's driving down the street in the highway and he's doing about 55 miles an hour and a chicken runs by and it's doing like 70 miles an hour and it's got, it's like got three legs. It's the most incredible thing it's oh. ever seen. So Buddy speeds up his car and he's chasing this three-legged chicken that's running at 70 miles an hour and he chases it and he follows it and it lands up in this farm. And he gets out of his car and he goes up to the farm and he says, was that your three-legged chicken I saw? The guy says, yeah. He goes, why would you have a three-legged chicken? He goes, well, you like chicken, don't you? The guy says, yeah. He goes, you like chicken legs? He goes, yeah. He goes, what if it's you, your wife, and your kid? There's only two legs. My chicken has three legs. But he says, wow, that's unbelievable. How does it taste? Guy says, I don't know. We never caught one. <laughs> Try catching a turkey that flies right. at 55 miles an hour. Unbelievable. How many Americans are planning to travel for Thanksgiving this year? 
still 43%. Really? Yeah, and I'm guessing that's this is weeks old, so I'm guessing this might be uh, um, uh, uh, obviously pre the last CDC announcements and such. I'd be surprised. That's a big number. And what are the most booked destinations in the year 2020? So this is until October 2020 on Skyscanner, which is Travel Post. What are the most booked destinations in 2020? It's interesting. One is New York. Two is Cancun. Three is Orlando. Four, Las Vegas. That's good to hear. Five is Denver. Six is Los Angeles. Seven, Fort Lauderdale. Eight is Atlanta. Stop by Taffer's Tavern when you're there. Nine is Chicago. And ten is Tampa. Wow. These, these stats were actually posted November 19th, 2020. So they're so they're they're pretty current then. Yeah. You know what's interesting is if you take a look at this, there's three: Orlando, uh, uh, Tampa, and Fort Lauderdale. Three Chicago cities are in that list. I mean, three Florida cities are in that list, which is pretty oh, incredible. Yeah. Well, Florida's you know I don't think they're too strict out there no, compared so. to New York and all that. No, they're actually much much looser, and they're trying to support their industry by doing so. You know, so I was thinking before this podcast is, you know, what do we have to be thankful for this year, Corey? And, you know, how has this year changed me as an individual? I mean, what have we learned and grown by this? And, you know, I'm thankful for this podcast. And I'll tell you why, Corey. Not only do I get a chance to talk to all of you every week, but I'm thankful for this podcast because of all the guests that we've had and the things that I've learned from the guests that we've had. You know, I look back at the past year, and I remember talking to Damon John, and I remember him telling me the story of him sitting in his living room making a hat. Yeah. Right, because he couldn't afford to buy the, the stocking pullover hat uh, for $25. So he got some fabric and a needle and a thread. And Damon John, macho Damon John, sitting there with a needle and thread making hats. And then how he took over his mother's house with, with salespeople and, and sewing machines everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was just an amazing story how he turned nothing into something. And I remember talking to Mark Cuban. And I remember Mark talking to us about his beginnings and how he feels that every minute of every day he's selling something. And he sells, 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 sells. We sold himself to become a billionaire, so he certainly knows how to sell. I learned a lot from talking to Mark Cuban that day. I also earned a lot from talking to Kristen Chenoweth that day. Broadway had closed down. And her concerns weren't about herself. It was about her crew, about the actors, about people who had signed on for a show and were excited and, and it didn't happen. And that was really powerful to me. And then we had the chance to talk to Dr. Phil. And you know, Phil, is, as, as many of you listeners know, is a good friend of mine. And you know, talking to Phil and learning about the emotional impact that this pandemic would have on us and learning about at times like this how much we really needed each other, whether it's texting or, or Zooming or FaceTiming and how often I found that I now FaceTime with my daughter and my grandson and, and my friends and, and uh, how do we bypass the effects of what we've been through. And Phil taught me a lot that day. And then I think about so many of the other guests that we've had, even President Trump. And you were with me, Corey. I was, yeah. You know, I learned at that moment, as difficult as people may think President Trump is, and I agree, uh, uh, um, how abrasive he could be at times, we saw a man who was as gracious as gracious could be in the half hour we spent with him. Yeah. And, and it makes you wonder, which is him? Mm-hmm. You know, did we see the real him or not? But I learned that tough people with tough exteriors, and I knew it, but it's different when you see the president. 
still have soft insides. And I saw that as tough as people are, whether it's Mark Cuban, Damon John, Donald Trump, Kristen Chenoweth, or so many of the other people that we've spoken to this year, and so many of them have hard shells. They're fighters, Corey, right? Yeah. That every single one of them had a soft inside. And this year, I saw a lot of soft insides. Last year, day-to-day is a lot of those shells that we come. People put up defenses. They put up walls. They put up shells around them. So when people put up these shells around them, they sort of hide who they are. Well, during the past eight months, none of us have had a lot of time to put up a lot of shells. So I think we've all seen the inner side of those who are in our circles who are closest to us. And I've learned a lot this year. I've learned about a lot about the American people. You know, I've learned a lot about media, about politics. I've learned a lot about conflict. And uh, I've learned a lot about myself. And I'm thankful for those things, Corey in spite of COVID and lockdowns and business failures and revenue stopping and TV being hiatus and, and all of these things, I'm thankful for what I got out of this year. And not that I would ever wish this on myself or anyone ever again. Yeah. But I am thankful that life continues to throw curveballs and experiences at us that make us grow. And hopefully a year from now, we look back at this and we can smile and say, yeah, boy, I learned a lot during that. I'm glad it's over. But we can look back at it and remember some of these positive moments of time and family. I remember Guy Fieri. I remember Guy, how the charity and the program that he put together for restaurant employees. And what a great freaking guy he was, you know, and how much he cared about our industry. And I remember having Phil Wills on from Bar Rescue fame. You know, about his daughter and his wife and, and his life. I mean, imagine having your first child during this. And I got to watch my daughter and my grandson deal with this and, and families. I got to drive across country and meet so many people. So I'm thankful for this year. And I wanted to take a couple of the moments that I really think in this podcast uh, that have been great ones. More thankful moments, if you will, Corey talking with the president, talking with Donald Trump, talking with Dr. Phil, talking with Guy Fieri, talking with Kristen, talking with some of the musicians, the athletes, right, the people that we've had an opportunity to talk to. And in every case, with every person who's ever been on this podcast, we try not to talk about their accomplishments. We try to talk about their lives and what we can learn from it. And man, have I learned a lot. So Corey, let's work together these next few hours. Let's put together some great clips that, you know, I'm thankful got to happen in my life and, and I hope you'll be thankful to hear again so so when I come back we're going to play you some of my most thankful podcast moments of this year stand by don't shut down this podcast John Taffer will be right back at Qualcomm we believe in staying connected and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine Supporting remote education and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcom.com slash invention age. Mr. President, thank you so much for spending some time with me thank today. Thank you very much, Jen. You know, over the years, sir, I've gotten to stay in some of your hotels. Good. I've eaten in your restaurants. I've been in your casinos. And I've always thought of you as a hospitality guy. Right. 
one of us, like I am. Well, it's uh, sort of natural for me, and it's natural for you, certainly. You've done great. Uh, and I've loved it. I love the business. I love business generally, but now I'm in a different kind of a business. I'm in a business of making America great again. And we're really doing it. We got hit with the plague from China. It was terrible, and they should have stopped it. They should have never let that happen. But uh, before that, and now after that, you see the kind of numbers we're doing. It's been amazing, actually. So post-COVID, sir, there are so many discussions on stimulus programs, right. and of course, uh, uh, and none of it has happened quickly. I wanted to look forward, because COVID is winding down. Yes. And we need some stimulus to get our industry going. As you know, the restaurant industry has lost more jobs than any other industry. Right. And we're decimated by this. So sitting here in Nevada, one of the hubs of the hospitality industry, are you looking at another round of PPP? Yes. And, and uh, what type of provisions, what type of time period are you looking for in that? So we did two rounds plus, and they were very powerful, very strong. It worked out very good. But Nancy Pelosi is just tapping everyone along. She wants to bail out states that have been badly run, that have massive debt, that have a lot of problems, that are always run by Democrats in all cases. And she's not interested in helping the worker. We're going to have a very big stimulus package because I'm the one pushing it. I want the package bigger than hers. I'm a little different than a lot of other people, frankly, when I do that. But I understand what happened. It is not the worker's fault that that happened, that it came out of China. And Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to do it until after the election. I think they're going to lose the House. And I think we're going to win. And I have a feeling we're going to do fine in the Senate. Senate's not going to be easy. But I think we're going to do fine in the Senate. And we're going to do a very big package as soon as the election's over. I would rather do it now, but Nancy Pelosi does not want to do it. So I hope everybody remembers that. Last time, the PPP plan covered about eight weeks' worth of payroll. Yes, exactly. Would you like to see it longer this time? I could see it longer, or we'd just do an extension when the time comes. Mm -hmm. Either way would be okay with me, but we definitely want to do it. And we definitely will do it. And we want to get deductibility for the restaurants again. Yeah. Do you remember you're an old-time restaurant, too? Do you remember the old days when you had deductibility? Of course. When they took that away, it actually really hurt the restaurant business. It actually became a smaller business. You know, people say, oh, this restaurant's successful. But it was never successful like it was before. So we're going to get deductibility back. For business meals? Yes. So when we look at a destination like Las Vegas or Miami and these tourist right. destinations, of course, you know, we're not going to come back until the planes are full again. And, and I've heard you mention just in passing that you've looked at some domestic travel incentives. Right. Is that something you're still committed to? So we're doing, we're doing a lot. We're working very hard with the airlines. I agree with you. You have to feel comfortable getting on a plane to make Nevada, really the whole state, whether it's Las Vegas or not, but Nevada, really where it was seven months ago. You know, we had, we created something that was the most successful economically that we've ever been. That includes this state. It includes Las Vegas itself, which I know very well. Here we are in a Trump building. So we are doing a lot of things having to do with tourism, and it's all coming due. The vaccines are coming out very quickly. You know, we beat this with or without the vaccines, but the vaccines will make it go faster. Uh, therapeutically, it's incredible what's happened. I mean, I'm here. You're right? feeling good? But really, I feel great. Uh, therapeutics are incredible what they can do. And when you look at mortality rates and everything, they're down to a level that nobody could ever believe. And that's all taken place over the last six months. So we have a lot of things going. But this is a business, really, you have to be able to get people into an airplane. 
We're also helping the airlines. We've helped them, and we will continue. It's always been a tough business, a little bit like the restaurant business. Always been a tough business to start off with, but we're helping the airlines. Are you concerned after COVID that, that the resistance to stimulus is going to continue? No, I think once we get past the election, we're going to get it. Uh, uh, it may be bipartisan. It may not have to be. Depending if we win the House, it won't have to be. But uh, I think after, right after the election, we're going to get it one way or the other. It'll happen. You know, the employee retention tax credit has been very, very helpful for restaurants right. keeping employees right. going during right. this. Is that something that you'd consider expanding into more restaurant types? We're going to do that. We're going to do that for the worker and the employer. Uh, the tax credit is something that I want to do, I think, more than anybody else in Washington, frankly. Some people don't like it as much as I do. But after the election, we're going to get the tax credit. Uh, it will take place very soon, definitely before the end of the year. So when we look at a market like Las Vegas and Miami, because of what's going on in right. airlines, they become sort of drive-in markets right. now, right. rather than fly-in markets. A little bit. Do you see any incentive for hotels as a sector? So it depends. The thing with Las Vegas, you have so many rooms. I think you probably have more rooms than any place About in the world. And you can't just rely on, you know, re rely on drive-in. Plus, it's not going to pay the kind of money that people that fly over from various parts of the world that are loaded and they want to come over and they want to spend a lot of money. Great for jobs, great for your employees, everything else. So it's a temporary fix. That's all it is. It's a temporary fix. You have too many hotels. When you have the kind of rooms, numbers that you have, you got to have more than the drive-in. But the drive-in is a stopgap. It'll help. You're having a lot of people drive in. I noticed it. You have a lot of people drive in, but ultimately the airplanes is going to bring a lot more. I think right now this is the biggest challenge that collectively as a country we faced since 9-11. And I thought, this is the worst time in the world for me to disappear. That, this is what I do. Boy do I, boy, do I agree with that. So you've been trying to do it through social media and other channels. Right, and we've been shooting our shows from home here. And uh, we've shot a couple of shows a day, three or four days a week, ever since we've uh, been sent home. And I got a one-person crew here at the house with Robin, <laughs> and then my, my staff has been working from home through Zoom and things like that. So we've been getting the shows out there. Not as pretty, but the message is there. And that's what's important is to get the message out there. It's funny that you say that because Robin is now your producer. Nicole is now my producer. Exactly. <laughs> so, so she set all this up, and it, it's, it's amazing to still be able to get the message out. You know, what Phil, would we do without him? Absolutely. So, you know, what when we were talking about that last time we were together on your podcast about standing in shadows, and they do that quite well. But, Phil, you know, uh, I've had issues coping. And, you know, it's been a difficult thing for me, and I'm home alone, and, and I have a new doggy that we rescued, which is, of course, adding some joy to the home. Of course, you know that well. And uh, I find that when I work all day, my adrenaline gets going, I'm working, I'm productive, I'm doing something. And then every afternoon when that work ends, man, I get into this low spot and I start thinking about the situation around me. And I wonder if other people aren't feeling this. So I wanted to ask you a few questions. And, and I was going to ask you to help me cope and help other people cope through this. A couple of questions and then I'll let you go on. Do you think of this as day-to-day -day or do you think of this as long-term to get through it? <clears throat> What's the best way to go at something like this? Well, you know, I think everybody's different, but I think the biggest challenge people have in coping with it right now is the unknown. You know, if you tell somebody, we're going to do this for 18 days or 
18 weeks, whatever it is, then I think people could say, all right, I'm going to steal myself to this. It's like painting, painting a black wall white. They can see the progress as they mark off the calendar days. But when there are so many unknowns, that's very stressful to people. We, you know, we like organization. We like predictability. And right now, there are so many unknowns, and that creates stress. And when we have stress, our sympathetic nervous system takes over, norepinephrine starts secreting, and we get into our fight-or-flight reaction. And the problem is the fight-or-flight reaction was designed to last for a few seconds or a minute. And we've, been, we've got people that have been in that state of arousal now for weeks and weeks and weeks. And that starts to take a toll on us uh, physiologically. And I'll talk about that in a little while, but I mean, it really starts to erode our health. So Phil, what kind of physiological things happened in that case? Well, there are two, let me talk about this in a couple of different ways. And interestingly, one of the ways that has a profound effect that people don't think about is loneliness. Loneliness in and of itself is a very stressful situation. And there have been a number of studies that have been done about the effects of loneliness. And uh, when, when people are lonely, and by lonely, I'm talking about a lack of encouragement from family or friends, being by yourself, uh, where you're in an apartment, you're four walls, you just don't have the normal human contact that you're used to. <clears throat> there was a study done in 2016 at Newcastle University, and they found by following people across time that there was a 30% increase in the risk of stroke and coronary heart disease among people that were lonely. I mean, think about that, a 30% increase in the risk of stroke and coronary heart disease. It shows how a, social we are as a species exactly. and how important that is. We are social animals. Uh, Florida State University College of Medicine did a study, 40% increase in a person's risk of dementia. That was published in the Journal of Gerontology. For people that are at risk, they're in that age bracket, a 40% increase in risk of dementia. Uh, functional limitations go down. And what happens, John, and I don't want to get too technical here, but leukocytes of lonely participants and leukocytes are the white blood cells that play a real key role in the immune system. Uh, these go down because our body thinks when we're alone, we don't need an immune system to fight off viruses or any type of attacks. So our immune system goes quiet. And so we're much more susceptible to contracting some type of virus like the coronavirus. So just being lonely, feeling lonely makes us more susceptible to that which we are actually locked away from right now. Broadway is incredibly dear to me. And, and I remember my parents lived in, in Manhattan and and Lou Jacoby lived next door to us, who was in the odd couple at the time. And, and so I've always had a great connection and, and adoration for the theater. And, you know, you, you accomplished so much in the theater, and then you made the jump to television and movies. 
and you did it so well. And, and, and you know, uh, obviously your good man, Charlie Brown, was incredible for you and, and was an unbelievable Broadway performance. And, and then you made a jump to television and movies at the same time. So, so I wanted to ask you a question leading up to some of the stuff that we, we, we wanted to talk about today. If you could only do one, which would it be? Oh, no. The, the dreaded if you could only do one. You know, back behind me on my refrigerator, my dad sent me a thing, a little saying. And it says, take up one idea, make that idea your life. Think of it, dream of it. Live on that idea. Let it be a part of your brain, your muscles, and leave every other idea alone. That is the true way to success. I agree with and that. I know, and I agree that a lot because I have a tendency to, I love to do a lot of different things, John, but as, if it's in the arts, you know, I kind of view doing a Broadway play as I would, or musical as I would doing TV or um, a movie. If it's character, um, I, I love delving into character and having the, the craft of finding an art from A to Z for that character. But to be honest with you, what I've been doing the past several, several years um, in between movies and TV and Broadway is concertizing, concertizing all over the world. And that way, it's an interesting beast because it's I'm not hiding behind a role. I'm picking the music myself. I'm doing the music that speaks to me wholly and I'm being Kristen in front of the, Christy Dawn in front of the audience. I love that. I'm a creature of a live audience. So probably that's my favorite. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought that's what you were going to say because, Um, because you started in live performance and, and that's where your passion came from when you were just a little girl. So, you know, I, I really expected you to say that in a strange way, but you know, those who would think of TV movies, the big screen, wow, how incredible, but you know, you're working for a crew. There's no audience in the room and sure, even for me and my show and I'm unscripted. So I don't know a darn thing before I go in there. So I, I really, I get a 60 second briefing before I go in. They're in debt this much, John, they're ready to kill each other. Their house is on them. And then I go in. So I don't get to script things. I don't get a second chance. So it's a different level, and it's no different than you trying to portray a character. There's a challenge in in that arch and and the way you go about that. Challenge, and you know, I noticed because obviously with your show, no, it's not scripted, but you you do have an audience in a way because you are having to show people how to change their ways in front of their audience, which is their their customers, and. That's why I think another reason that I'm drawn to, well, I love a good ambiance. I love, I, love I love a business owner and I love to see how people run their business. And I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, my boyfriend, we're stuck here in New York and, and during the quarantine. And he said, Bar Rescue, you got to watch John. Your event business is so up your alley. And I never watch TV because I'm always on the road. I'm always doing stuff. So uh, we inhaled it. I mean, I've inhaled it. I've got all my favorites. And I learned from you. I learned a lot from you, too, because I have to be a boss. And I don't like to be a boss. It's not my, um, it's not my natural uh, habitat, but I have to do it. Um, and some of the ways that you uh, deal with people. You know, my dad, um, and I know this is the second time I've referenced him, but he was a very tough love guy. It was suck it up. This is what you wanted to do. This is what you said you were going to do. But 
but he also knew when the right time was to, to give me a hug and love me and say, you can do it and you must go for it. And that's what inspires me about our, your show and about what we do. Um, you know, theater isn't that much different from the restaurant business, believe it or not. Um, you know, we, we're in this, we, we are both in the service industry. Who we hang with defines who we are too, doesn't it? No question yeah, it about it. Big, makes a big impression and, and, yeah. and, and, and mutually, you know, and that's yeah. why, you know, we've never met in person, but we sit there and have a little chit chat on the phone and, I mean, absolutely, we're going to have this meeting today, and you know, we got to make this work. And it's, uh, but you find, what is it? The you know, the birds of a feather uh, drink together. Yeah, is that it's something like that. You know, you and I have a lot of followers together, and a lot of people that watch us on TV and social media and such. And I think it's important that you know we send the message to them as we wind this down, buddy, because I appreciate your time. This is going to end, whether it's six weeks, oh. eight weeks, ten weeks. This is going to end, a and we all need to. Focus on the fact that it is going to end. So we're dealing with time. Let's cook some great meals. Let's drink some great beverages. Let's talk to each other. Let's FaceTime. Let's connect. Let's go to social media. Let's chew up the time. Because if we chew up the time, buddy, we come out the other side of this closer as a people than I think we've ever been. Because there's no politics right now, are there? <laughs> you know, That's the, what I said. We don't, nobody's bitching at each other. Everybody's worried. Everybody's focused. Everybody's thinking about mankind and worried about how we're going to do this. So, you know what? What I really hope, John, is, is, is when this turns off, when this is done, I hope everybody remembers what these feelings were like of having it a little bit simpler, slowing it down a little bit more, not going out as far, you know, and, and, and treating each other with the love and respect. Um, because we do, you know, as Americans, we live in the greatest country. We have the best resources. We have the best support. We have the best infrastructure. We have all these wonderful things. And this this infighting that takes place is just is just barbaric, you know. And, and we're wasting so much time doing it. And and don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. But you're doing a great job through this. And you're you're always out there. You know, it's so funny. I'm handling the restaurant side of the things, and you got the bar side of the things. And it's always so entertaining to watch the show. And I love to catch the. Uh, the clips of uh, of you going of you going full tilt. Dude, you're not one of the dudes I want to go full tilt with. <laughs> I look forward to doing that together one day, buddy. So, what is the website where people can go to uh, to support the NRA? So the website for the rest. So it's called the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund. R E R F dot us. Um, and here's the beauty of it. And, and this, I'll just make this one quick because this is my sales pitch. Um, 100% of the donations. 100% of the donations go to the employees. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I don't care what organization and how philanthropic they are, Not you got to have something to run the deal. Well, the National Restaurant Association already has their money of their money to operate and run their program. They're sucking it up and taking care of getting the money, you know, taking the donations, handling the money, and putting together the process of getting the $500 grants out to the employees. So R-E-R-F dot U-S. That's where you can go to make a donation, and that's also if you're an employee uh, without a job, that's also where you can go to sign up to get your check. So it's a, it's, I mean, it's a home run. It is a home run, and these are ways through this that you can actually help your help your local market because these dollars go out across the country. So this doesn't go to some national. It doesn't go to just one city. It's spread out. This is one way that we can support our neighbors in an industry that's been there for us. Thank you, my brother. I love you. You're the best, my friend. I will see you. 
I will see you on the other side. We we don't want to burn up through the tunnel. We got a lot of we got a lot of celebrating to do. We got to right so far. We got to bring Cinco uh, St. Patrick's Fourth of July de Mayo. Is that what's called? That's it, man. You nailed it. <laughs> Fucking nailed it, buddy. Take care, bro, brother. Be good, man. Take care. See you on the other Take side. Time. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back. It was great to hear those again, Corey. And you know, it's funny when you do a podcast like this, you get to meet all these people. And whether you meet them on Skype or Zoom or phone call and you do the podcast, when you sit and talk with somebody like that and you ask them questions like that, they are friends. And, you know, I remember the first time I ever did Jenny McCarthy's podcast, six, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And Jenny's course has done mine. I've done hers a few times since. We became great friends. I mean, great friends to the point that she's drinking my mixology mix at her home with Donnie on her birthday. Oh, wow. And got, got drunk as hell with Donnie at home <laughs> on her birthday and sent, me, and sent me a text. We became great, great friends all from a podcast. Damon John and I became great friends all from a podcast. You know, I look at Dr. Phil. I mean, we were good friends before it, but it only brought us closer. Guy and I, you know, we were names to social media. We communicated with each other. We became buddies this podcast the greatest thing about doing a podcast it doesn't happen on radio it doesn't happen on television it doesn't happen as a newspaper writer is the casualness of it that i can talk to you my audience in a casual kind of way say whatever i want there i want to say it it's casual it's not structured and formatted and when i sit and talk with guy it's a different conversation than it is with dr phil or than it is with the president or than it is with somebody else and that's what's special about these podcasts and that's why i resist structure so much because the casualness of it is what makes it special well it's thanksgiving and it is a special time and it's one of my favorite holidays and do take a moment think about what you learned this year try to come up with something good from this when you sit down for Thanksgiving, there is something you can be thankful for. Hey, we're all still here, Corey. About a quarter of a million of us are not. That's something to start with, right? My family's still all here, right? Your dad's still here. Your family's still here. I mean, so let's start there, and let's be thankful for something. And I wish you all a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you get to spend some time, whether it be digitally or personally, with those that you love. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Subscribe to the John Tapper Podcast right now for more episodes every Thursday.